as you're getting settled, just uh, take a moment to thank Josh for covering for me last week. That was, that was very good. We got a chance to listen to it when we were driving back from Kansas City. We were out uh, at Mission Focus uh, last week in Midtown Baptist Temple, so that was, um, that was a great time. It was a great conference, and there were actually um, 24 of us, 24 folks from First Baptist Church there. Now, now that does include six steeds and five Stogsdills, but, <laughs> but 24 none, nonetheless. Um, and so, yeah, that was a, it was a good time. If, if you know some folks that went out there, you can, you can ask them about that. It's always good seeing friends, seeing family, but, um, but there's no doubt that we're glad to be home. We're glad to be back. We're glad to be back with you today. I do, I do hate missing Sundays and, and, and all that that is. I, I love every one of them. And and, um, and I think, you know, if you were here at 9 o'clock this morning, you're just going to see they're going to they're gonna keep getting better um, um, throughout the year. As, as Josh said, and as most of you know who were here, we kicked off our new 9 a.m. study today. Jeff is taking us through the Bible. And, and I, was, I was thrilled to see as many people show up as they did. That's going to be a great study. And, and as Jeff said, the, man, the... the just a synergy that we can have through reading the Bible together and being able to talk about those things and discuss what God is showing us and then come together on Sundays and, and see how God put his book together. Um, I, I'm really excited about that. And so I hope you are too, and I hope you continue to come. Even if you didn't make it this morning, just uh, you, should, you should plan on that. And then we have prayer first tonight, and, and we're making a few changes to that as well. We're all going to be together in here. We're not going to be breaking up uh, into our individual prayer teams. Uh, we'll st- we're, we're still going to have our prayer teams. You'll hear more about that tonight, but we're all going to be in here together, and we're going to have a different focus uh, each month. And tonight, uh, the focus is, is going to be on Hungary and the Hungary prayer, prayer team, uh, as Kale is going to be speaking to us one final time before he and Brooke and, and their two kids head, head back to Hungary on January 20th. So 12 days, they're heading back to Hungary. So Kale's going to speak to us tonight. We're going to get a chance to hear from them. So don't, so don't miss that. Come back to that. Be a, be a part of the body uh, in that way and supporting them and, and all we do together as we pray together to the Lord. Those are key to where we're going this year. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning where we're going in 2023. So if you have your Bible with you today, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 14. And in 1 Samuel chapter 14, we're going to look at the deeper faith of a man named Jonathan. So for today, we're going to set aside our our family portrait series and use this opportunity, my first Sunday in the pulpit of this new year, to keep the vision at the forefront. So this is our Vision Sunday so to speak. But we're not going to cast a new vision as much as we are going to challenge you into a deeper dive of where God is already leading us. And that's the title of today's message, A Deeper Dive. Now, last year at this same time, I I told you that in this same sermon, I told you that the theme for 2022 was strengthening our family, and that had both a, a physical and a spiritual application to it. So we were intentional on that. We were intentional in our Sunday morning sermons, first out of the book of Nehemiah, 
And then our recent series, Family Portraits, we tried to use those to give you a biblical foundation to strengthen your own family and build something that God wants to accomplish in and through you and your family. And then we've been intentional to focus on life groups and prayer and worship nights to drive us closer together to strengthen our church family. And so everything we do, listen, we're we're not the best at it, but it, it does have some thought behind it. And I'm pleased with that, truly. I'm, I'm, never, I'm never satisfied, but I'm, I'm pleased with, with what we were able to accomplish, I think, in 2022. I believe we took some steps forward and, and made some progress. But we, we have to keep going. I mean, we can't be satisfied with anything. We can't stop in that. I want this year to dive deeper into faith. And, and I don't necessarily have a theme for 2023, but if I did, that would be it, to, to go deeper. Because we need, we all need a deeper faith. We need a deeper commitment. We need a deeper surrender. We need a deeper zealousness for the Lord. And so that's what we're going to be talking about and focusing on today and, and this entire year for that matter. That's what our 9 a.m. study is all about. All of us together getting a deeper handle on the Bible and how it's put together. Like I already mentioned, that's what our prayer nights are all about, all of us together, lifting our voices to the Lord, first in in worship through song and then in worship through prayer, begging Him to work in our midst. Because we need to be dependent upon the Lord more this year than last year and plead for Him to work in and through us. And so that, that's what my preaching will be about. We have two more weeks left in our family portrait series. And then we're going to start a new book study out of the book of Acts. And, and, and that's going to take us a while. We're going to go through the entire book of Acts, all 28 chapters. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. And we're going to look at those you know, first century Christians and see their zealousness for the mission. And ask the Lord to lead us in that same manner. Because the truth is, as great as this church is, and, and listen, I, I believe that with all my heart. I, I love this place. I know it's a great church. But I also know that we're not immune to Laodicean tendencies, starting with me. And I believe we're a mature church and a faithful church. And I praise the Lord for that. But as I, as I just pray through things and, and, and ask God to lead, I also just can't shake this feeling that we're a little bit of a comfortable church. Listen, I love comfort, and I know you do too. Most of us set up our entire life around the objective of comfort. Our homes, our cars, our workspaces. But unfortunately, our mission isn't about comfort. It goes way way deeper. And it's way more important. The mission is too important to us to get caught up with being satisfied with feeling comfortable. So as we get going here, and and since this is Vision Sunday, let me ask you, from a spiritual perspective, how would you assess 2022 for you personally? How have you grown Did you read the Bible through last year? Did you 
win someone to the Lord last year? Did you disciple someone last year? Did you go through discipleship last year? Did you sign up for MTT last year? When you look at your life today versus one year ago, from a spiritual perspective, are you in a better place? I hope you can answer yes to that question and some of those other questions as well. But if you can't, if you're not, if the truth is you've been satisfied with comfort and you're not in a better place, when are you going to take the steps needed to change? Why don't you make 2023 the year of a deeper dive? And even if you can answer yes to, those, to that specific question and those other questions, man, don't get complacent. Keep growing. Take a deeper dive in 2023 than you even did in 2022. Because listen, I don't know about you, but I do not want to waste my life playing the role of a Christian. I want so much more than that. I don't want to just act like a Christian. I want the life of Christ to be real in me. You see, what God says in this book about me, it should be true of me. So I want to live it out. I want my life to reflect this book as much as possible. And I know I'm never going to be perfect while I'm in this flesh, but that's not an excuse to not try. Consistently walking in the Spirit is absolutely possible and something that we all should strive towards. Listen, what God has called us to as a church, I want to see that reality in us. There are so many churches just going through the motions. And they're holding services. and doing a lot of good things. But brothers and sisters all the while, people all over this city, this state, this country, this world are dying and going to hell every single day. And we don't, we don't talk about that reality a lot, but if this book is true, that's a true statement. That has to impact us. We have to feel that. And we have to live out the reality of what that means. Oh, that first Baptist church never becomes one that just holds services. We must be part of the solution and not the problem because we know better. We know what a church should be about. We know that we have a mission. And listen, we know exactly what that mission is. A lot of churches out there are confused about that. And they think they're doing the right thing, but they're not according to God's word. We can't say that. We know what the mission is, but so many times we don't live our life according to that mission. Shame on us. Because we live it according to comfort. Playing church along the way. But don't you know what Luke 12, 48 says? If not, let me read it for you. He that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes, for unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Listen, that verse scares me a little bit. I probably should say that verse scares me a lot a bit. Because I believe we've been given a lot. So if that verse is true, 
which every word of, uh, of God's word is true, and then that means a lot's going to be required of us. So let me ask you, do you show up here on Sunday mornings just because that's what you're supposed to do? Or do you, or do you come with some deeper reason? And you're here for something more, to learn to give what you've been given. Are you just playing church? Are you, are you about the mission? And if you are just playing church, I want you to know that I'm glad that you're here, truly. I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I'm glad that you're here. But I want so much more for you. I want you to dive deeper into your faith and develop a zeal for the work of the Lord. Listen, we, we have a, a, a great crowd today. We had a great crowd at 9 a.m. And yet, I still see plenty of open seats. And I don't get that. We're not full, and, 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 and we're, we're never full, and I don't understand it. Why aren't we packed out every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night? Why aren't we, we having to set up new tables? And what I don't get is, like, it doesn't seem to bother us that much. We don't think that much about it. Many of us don't pray about it. And we don't leave out of here and do anything about it. Listen, that is absolutely not a statement about me. I don't, you know, me thinking that, that a bunch of people should listening to me. Trust me, I don't think that. It's also not a statement about desiring numbers. I don't care a thing about that. What I care about is people getting saved and getting discipled and getting plugged into the mission that God has for them. What I care about is a church that worships God by making disciples who exalt his word, edify his body, and are equipped to evangelize the world. What I care about is God being glorified by us on his terms. The way he said we are to do it. So what I care about in 2023 is us diving deeper. So let's learn how to do that this morning as we examine an example of someone with a deeper faith and see if we can be challenged to dive deeper. First Samuel chapter 14, we're going to read verses 1 through 14. Follow along with me. The Bible says, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father, Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over into the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes, the name of the other was Sina. The forefront of the one was situate northward over against Michmash and the other southward against Gibeah. And Jonathan said to the young man that bears armor, Come and let us go over into the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. And then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men and we will discover ourselves unto them. They say thus unto us, Terry, 
till we come unto you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, come up unto us, and we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves under the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said, said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them under the, into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within, as it were, and half an acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. All right, let's pray and then let's ask God to teach us something this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you uh, in need of you. We come to you in need of hearing from you. And, and Lord, this is, uh, this is our time we come together to worship you, to, to, to let you know um, Lord, how worthy you are of, of our worship, how worthy you are of our life for all that you did for us. And, and so we're so thankful for that. And, and even in the midst of that, we come as a needy people, Lord, needing to hear from your word this morning, needing to be challenged to something deeper this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that, that you do that as, as only you can. I know I have no ability whatsoever within me to do that, but, Lord, I, I know that you can. I know that your spirit does that work. I, I know the power that's in your word. And so, Lord, I pray that, that that's what, what speaks this morning and not me. Lord, I, I do pray that everything that is said is true to your word. I pray that it's honoring to you, glorifying to you. And, uh, Lord, that this entire service is a sweet savor unto you. And use it in our lives to drive us deeper to where you want us. Lord, we love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is a great story. Uh, one, one of my favorites in, in, in the Old Testament, uh, some of you might be familiar with it, and, and like I said, it's one that I hope challenges you to a deeper faith this morning. But before we get into the details of our study, I want to set the context for you. First Samuel, it's, it's kind of a transition book in Israel's history because they were moving at this time from a theocracy-based government ruled by judges to a monarchy-based government ruled by kings. And and so that's just kind of covered in the book of 1 Samuel. And the book really tells the story of three prominent characters, Samuel, Saul, and David. And in chapter 14, we're at a time where Israel was under the leadership of Saul. He was their first king. And Saul, despite all the potential and all the opportunity to be a good, God-fearing king, it turns out he, he's not that at all. Right? He's actually a, 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 fa a failure in terms of, of that, leading in a God-fearing way. And in, and in chapter 13, immediately before what we just read, it all kind of comes to a head and, and, and Saul has his big, big failure. Because instead of just submitting to and obeying the revealed word of God in his life, he decided to do what was right in his own eyes. And he grew impatient. He was tired of waiting on the Lord. He was tired of waiting on the Lord's man. So he offered a sacrifice that he, was, he wasn't supposed to. He was clearly told not to. In fact, in 1 Samuel 15, 22, God, through Samuel, reminded Saul of a very important principle that is true for us as well. That verse says, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. 
and to hearken than the fat of the rams. And that's what, exactly what Saul didn't do. He didn't obey. He sacrificed, but he didn't obey. And he reacted out of fear and reacted out of pride instead of faith. And it led to his ultimate doom. And it, it led to Israel's delay because he's leading them out of this position of fear. And at this time, they were fighting the Philistines, but they were just in a stalemate. They wouldn't take them on because Saul wouldn't lead out of faith in what God wanted to do. He was leading out of fear. And he was staying in a position of comfort. We read in 1 Samuel 14, 2, that he tarried under a pomegranate tree in the shade where the fruit tasted good. But Jonathan, this was Saul's son, he wasn't, Jonathan wasn't like his father. He was a man of great integrity, great character. He was a man full of faith. And we see that faith on display here in chapter 14. And Jonathan provides for us a great example of someone not willing to settle for comfort and for the status quo in their walk with the Lord. But instead, we see in Jonathan someone who wanted something deeper. And I think this is exactly what we need as we enter 2023, and it starts with desiring a deeper engagement. Desiring a deeper engagement. You see, Jonathan was part of the army. He was a leader in the army. He had a great victory, actually, at the beginning of chapter 13 that Saul took credit for. So Jonathan was a part of the army, but the army wasn't doing anything. The army was standing still at this time. And that wasn't good enough for him. He was a man that desired to engage in the war, even if it meant getting himself into an uncomfortable situation. So he didn't care what his father was doing. He didn't care what everybody else was doing. He wanted to make a difference for the Lord. So he deepened his engagement. Look at verses 1 through 3 again. Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over unto the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And listen. This is super simple, but Jonathan simply wasn't satisfied staying outside the fight. So he grabbed his armor bearer and said, let's go do something. Let's go do something for the Lord. He wasn't okay with hanging out on the sidelines. Or, or let me say it this way. Jonathan wasn't satisfied with just showing up on Sundays. So are you? If so, then 2023 needs to be a year where you deepen your engagement with us. This is simply deciding to take a step. What is next for you? We have our path of growth. What is next for you? Maybe it just means showing up at 9 a.m. when you haven't in the past. Maybe it's coming tonight when you haven't come to prayer night in the past. And praying with us for all that we have going on, for all that the Horvaths have going on in Hungary. Surely we can show up for them. Listen, I promise you, if you'll just engage and keep showing up and, and spending time daily showing up before the Lord in His Word, 
the mission will become more and more important to you. And if you ever want to give God glory with your life, if you do not want to be ashamed at the judgment seat of Christ, then you've got to engage. There's no other way around it. And listen, this, this is why I say it. Like, you know, I, I know very well that I'm, I'm coming on kind of strong. And, and I'm saying things that are, you know, you know, maybe some people consider a little bit harsh. I, they're true, so, so I'm going to say them. But listen, here's why I say it. Because I care for your souls. That's why I say it. Because I know the judgment seat is coming. And I know I'm going to give an account for you. So I have to say it. Come be a part of what we're doing. Come get engaged in the mission. Let's fight together and see what God does. And again, I, I know it's, this, is, this is super simple, ridiculously simple, but many times, I believe most of the time, we fail God not when we fall. If you fall, at least that means you are up at one point. God can work with those that fall. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. You see, if you fall, God's there. He can help you back up. Most of the time, we don't fail him by falling. Most of us fail him by not engaging. We just sit on the sidelines. And don't get involved in the mission through this church. Or even if we are involved, we're not all in. We're only in at a comfortable level for us. Listen, for some of you, your life verse is Psalm 94.7 and you don't even know it. So I'm going to read it to you. It says, yet they say, the Lord shall not see. Neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. I'm here on Sundays. I tithe. But he doesn't see me. He doesn't see me in my house. He doesn't see me at my job. There's a lot of people involved in ministry there. He doesn't notice that I'm not involved at any level. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but the Bible says otherwise. The Bible says God sees everything. God sees everything. Proverbs 5.21, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. Proverbs 15.3 says, the eyes of the Lord are are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He sees it all, and that should be sobering to us. So you have a choice. The choice is Jonathan or Saul. It's full engagement led by your faith, Jonathan, or it's seeking comfort led by your flesh, Saul. Just look at Saul for a second. Look at verse 2 again. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. 
And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And so there's a, there's a lot in these verses that we're not even going to get to get to. But I just, I just want to give you sort of an overview of Saul's situation. He isn't in the battle. He's in a place of comfort. He's under the shade of the tree. But th- Think about this for a second. Here's the thing about shade. It may be comfortable, but it keeps the light from shining on you. And the picture in that situation is you don't have the direction that the light of God's word provides. So you have to go about things on your own in a way that seems right unto you. That's exactly how Saul led. Because according to Psalm 119, verse 130, we've read this verse over the, the previous weeks, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. But Saul had rejected the light of God's word, and he was hanging out in a comfortable place in the shade. And he was surrounded by 600 men that just told him he was okay. And don't we do the exact same thing? When we get off course, and we get off in our relationship with the Lord, and we aren't engaged like we know we should be, Don't we usually quit hanging around and talking to those that we know will hold us accountable? And we go find new friends that'll make us feel okay about hanging out in the shade because that's where they are too. And and we don't have time to show you the full study, but go look at the guys noted that Saul was hanging out with in verse 3 from the line of Phineas. The son of Eli. Not, not the best guys. I mean, if you don't know their story, yeah, some, some real winners there. These were guys that God had already rejected. So, so here's a lesson for you. Don't hang out with rejects. It's very practical. But it's good, solid advice. Don't hang out with rejects. Hang out with people that you admire their relationship with the Lord. You look at them and they're in the battle. Well, spend time around them. Man, lose some friends this year if you need to. Because while Saul was with 600 men, how many friends did Jonathan have with him? One. And one is plenty if it's the right one. And we're going to see in a minute, his armor bearer was absolutely the right one. So hang out with the right people. And let 2023 be a year of engagement, new engagement, deeper engagement for those of you that are already involved. Ask God today where he wants to take you this year. If you haven't done that already, ask him today. Ask him how he wants to stretch you. And then be obedient to what he says. Don't settle for the comfortable. But let me give you a fair warning. If you do that, then you're also going to need some deeper endurance. You're going to need deeper endurance because engagement in the battle is just that. It's a fight, and it's hard. Look at where this decision to engage took Jonathan and his armor bearer. Verse 4, so they take off. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over into the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes, the name of the other was Sina. The forefront of the one was situated northward over against Michmash and the other southward over against Gibeah. 
So Jonathan decides to engage. He starts out in, in, his, in his journey, and right away, he runs into a couple sharp rocks. You see, the path he was on, because he wanted to serve the Lord, it got difficult. It wasn't a smooth walk. There was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. Everywhere he turned, there's a sharp rock. So you need to know, just be honest, that when you do it, decide to engage in the mission for the Lord, there are very likely some hard times in front of you. There'll be some sharp rocks that you have to deal with. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But the problem with most of us, listen, this is part of God's plan, by the way. In his providence, as, as he's sharpening us. But the problem with us, most of us, is when things get tough, we quit. We back off. And we turn around and go look for the shade tree. That's why you're going to need deeper endurance this year. Because that's not the answer. The truth is, sometimes the work of the Lord gets heavy. And sometimes the rocks are sharp. And sometimes you get cut. And sometimes those cuts are deep. And in your mind, it feels like, man, I didn't know it was going to hurt this bad. I didn't know it was going to be this hard. I'm not, I'm not sure that this is worth it. I'm not sure that I can get this done. And, and the truth is you can't get it done, at least not in your own strength. This work to which we've been called isn't possible to do unless you do it in the strength of the Lord. But if you do it in the strength of the Lord, it is worth it. That, that's faith. That, that's what the Bible says. That, that's what the judgment seat will be about. That there are rewards for that. That's when it becomes worth it. But you have to do it in his spirit. If you try to fight through this in your flesh, man, you're going to get beat up, and you're going to get bloodied, and you're going to get left in the sideline. No, walk in his spirit. You know, Psalm 127.1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they that labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So you can't do it in your flesh. That gets weary. That gets too heavy. But listen, sometimes, just in the midst of the fight, maybe you're even doing everything right, and you just get tired. The burden weighs you down. It's why Paul says in Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And Paul wants you to know that, listen, it is so worth it if you just keep going, if you will endure. But if you quit, you won't get the reward. And we see this admonition throughout the New Testament. Jesus tells us not to faint in Luke 18, 1, but instead we should pray. So when you're feeling these times of weary, here's what you do. You pray. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.1 that we have a job to do and God has given us the mercy to do it, so don't faint. So you pray. You count on God's mercy. 
The author of Hebrews gives the, the kind of the final solution, and it's to keep our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, one, 12 verses 1 through 3 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, that's, that's how we are to do it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, who, who came up against some sharp rocks, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against him, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. So what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am weak and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this is, this is the answer. The picture here is a yoke with two oxen. So when Jesus is saying, I'll give you rest, it doesn't mean I'm going to put you under the shade tree. That's not what this means. A yoke with two oxen, it's just, you just need to have Jesus as the other one. And so you're walking together with Jesus, keeping your eyes on him. Look into Jesus who's the author and finisher of our faith. And he, when you do that, he promises to put most of the weight on him, on himself. That's what Matthew 11 is talking about. It's not, hey... Come over here and rest and do nothing. Why don't you sit down for a while? No. The rest is in walking beside Jesus and looking unto him. And he's going to carry the weight. So when the rocks get sharp, you need to dig deep. Not in your flesh, but in the spirit and endure. This is exactly what Paul told Timothy. In, in 2 Timothy 3, excuse me, <clears throat> 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, in the context of discipleship, right? Our, one of our primary verses we use for discipleship is 2 Timothy 2, 2. And then the very next verse, he says, Thou, therefore, because you're to do this, because you're to commit yourself unto faithful men who shall be able to teach others also, right? Because you're going to do that, you're going to come against some sharp rocks, Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You see, endurance needs to be a part of our spiritual makeup. But, but again, it's not in the flesh. It's not in willpower. It's not that we dig deep and do it ourselves. And so we dig deep and trust in the Lord. We dig deep and look to Jesus. And we might be getting cut in the path. And sometimes we're, we're cut by people who shouldn't be cutting us. And we're getting cut by, by, by people we thought were friends and co-laborers. And sometimes that happens. And listen, that is hard. But what God wants us to do is not go sit down. He wants us to rest in him. Look to him. Dig deep. Endure that hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
set our perspective on why we're doing it. And set our perspective on, on the Romans 8.18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Oh, there's coming a day. There's coming a day that we'll know that it was worth it all. Or that day will be filled with sorrow and regret and shame. How do you want that day to look? You have a choice. There's still time. We're still here. So we all still have a chance. But the rocks are always going to be there. We need that endurance that be part of our spiritual makeup. But listen, the rocks are interesting. Because we see in verse 4, the rocks Jonathan was dealing with had names. And the first rock was named Bozes. And Bozes means shiny or shining. That's what the word means. Shiny or shining. And the other rock, Sina, means thorny. So you have one shiny. These are both sharp rocks. These are both rocks that cut you. But the first one he came to means shiny. The second one he came to means thorny. And that gives us a pretty cool picture. Because it pictures the trials that we deal with as we're engaging in the mission for the Lord. Again, while they're both sharp, they also have two sides to them. There's the Sina or the thorny side. That's the side that hurts. That's when the cuts are active. That's the side you're not sure how you're going to make it past. But then there's the Bozes or the shiny side, right? That's the first one. So when you get past that first sharp rock, and when you look back, it's shining. That's the side of the struggle that you look back upon after God's taken you through it. And you see the value. And you see the beauty. And you see His glory shining through because God brought you through. And in the process, He brought you closer to Him. And so you can look back and say, yeah, that hurt. Yeah, that was hard. But I endured through the power of the Spirit. And look at what God did. And that brings us to our last point. Because God does want to work in and through us. I don't get it. I don't understand why. I know me too well to think he should ever want to do anything through me, but he does. And that's the same true of you. So if we're just willing to engage and then endure through the Spirit, through those trials, and not quit, we can absolutely see him do amazing things in our midst. I'm a testimony to that. I've seen things, God do things in my life, in my ministry, that I never could have dreamed of in a million years. It's just crazy. Lives change, that sort of thing. It's, it's amazing. But he can do that through all of us. In our life, in this church, so third in 2023, we need a deeper expectation. What we see with Jonathan is that he expected God to work. Even though he wasn't 100% sure of himself, he wasn't 100% sure of God's timing. We'll see that in just a second. Look at verses 6 and 7. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, 
Let us go over under the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thine heart. And I love verse 6, because verse 6 we, is, 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 a, is a very cool contrast. Because we see Jonathan's confidence in the Lord and his full expectation that the Lord will work, that the Lord does work. But we see sort of a lack of confidence in himself, or maybe it's God's timing, whatever. Because he says, it may be that the Lord will work for us. So he felt his unworthiness in that moment. He wasn't 100% confident in himself, but he was 100% confident in the Lord. Because look at what he says next. He says, it may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. You see, that, that's awesome. He had no doubt whatsoever in the Lord's power. He had no doubt what the Lord could do. And again, we've already talked about this, but in life, as we live out Christ's life, we're going to face those hard times and those hurts and those rejections, but those are all worth it when we see the Lord work. When we see the Lord save. But you have to believe he wants to use you in that process. We have to believe he wants to use this church through that process. We need to be able to answer the question that God posed in, in Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That was in the context of Sarah having a baby at, at, a, at a very old age, Sarah and Abraham. And he says, is anything too hard for the Lord? And of course, the answer to that question is no. It's, it's what Jonathan finds out in verses 8 through 14. Jonathan and his armor bearer end up defeating 20 men and, because nothing is too hard for the Lord. So we all, every person in here, I, I mean, you know, unless you're just in here and you're a snake and you don't really care. But I think we can all intellectually answer that question, right? Is anything hard for the Lord? Who says yes? Let's just expose you. If you're a snake, let's just expose you. Who says yes? Anybody? No. Okay, good. Good. So intellectually, we can answer that question. But how we live our life in a, in a practical way sometimes gives a different answer. Sometimes practically... Intellectually, our answer is no, but sometimes practically, our answer is yes. Because you don't care enough or you don't believe enough that the Lord wants to work through you. Listen, as we get moving here in 2023, we need to be instructed and encouraged by Jonathan's faith to believe that nothing is too hard for the Lord to believe that there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. We need to be able to look at our lives and everything that God has called us to and say, that's what I'm going to be about. And I'm going to center my life around the mission. And I'm just going to go that way. And I'm going to go out trusting because is anything too hard for the Lord? And I know that he isn't willing that any should perish. So God, use me to save you could do it by many or by few. Just use me. And I don't care if no one else wants to get serious about God's mission. I know what you've called me to. 
So as for me and my life, I'm going to trust you. Have your way in me. I know that you're at work and I don't want to miss out. I know that you're going to have the victory. I don't want to miss being a part of it. So I'm going to be faithful. And I'm going to engage. And I'm going to endure. I'm going to expect you to work for your own glory. But it's only going to happen if first we depend on him, if we depend on the Lord. That's, that's letter A. You see, Jonathan gives his rallying speech. But then it was the armor bearer that gave him the confidence to move forward. Look at verse 7. Because he says, it may be that the Lord will work for us. I know he has the power to do it all. I know nothing's too hard for him. But it, I don't know about me. I don't know about this timing. Maybe. And then what's the armor bearer say? The armor bearer said unto him, do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thine heart. And we don't have time. We're already running late. I don't have time to prove all this out to you. But this unnamed armor bearer is a picture of the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit in our life. The armor bearer was always, he's unnamed. He's always with Jonathan. He, he carried and helped him use his weapons and his armor. He helped him in the fight. He was there for comfort and confidence. And the armor bearer sensed Jonathan's doubt when he said it may be that the Lord will work for us. And again, not doubt in the Lord. Don't mistake that. Just doubt in himself and in the timing maybe of when God wanted to work. But the armor bearer sensed that and gave Jonathan the encouragement he needed. And the Holy Spirit will do the same thing for you and me. Romans 8, verses 16 and 17 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Sometimes we, you know, that we, we doubt some things. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And we need to depend on that, depend on the Holy Spirit of God inside us as we dive deeper in 2023. We can't do this on our own. I've already said that. We can't do it in our power. That's not possible. We need to follow the leading and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit as we walk in the Holy Spirit. That's the only path for success here. There's one way. There's no plan B. There's one way. And Jonathan gets to see it. He follows the encouragement of his armor bearer. And then in verses 8 through 10, he puts together a plan for how they're going to approach the Philistines. So part of expecting God to work is that you're disciplined and you devise a plan. So you depend on the Lord. A, B, you devise a plan. Look at verse 8. Then said, Jonathan, behold, we will pass over unto these men and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, tarry until we come to you. Then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say thus, come up unto us. Then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. So this was his plan. He puts a plan in place. If, if, if they came and if they say, you know, stay there, okay, well then, you know, we're, we're, we're to tarry till we come to you. All right, we're not going to move forward. But if they invite us into their garrison, we're going and we know that the Lord's given us the victory. So he has this plan, and this is a good lesson for us, because we need to engage in the mission, and we should expect God to work, but we should also be strategic as well. You shouldn't just go charging hell with a squirt gun all on your own, with no thought whatsoever. You need to charge hell with a squirt gun through a strategic structure we have in place here for you. 
I promise that will be better. It's a plan that is biblical. And that is important because as Proverbs 16, 9 says, a man's heart devises it his way. And, and that might even be with good intentions. But the Lord directed the steps. The Lord has to lead us. And, and we, how does the Lord direct us? Through his word. So we need to be strategic in that. You need to make sure that the plan is according to the Bible. But once it is and you put it in place and put it in action in your life and you're depending on and walking in the spirit, then you get to discover his victory. You get to discover his victory. Look at verse 11. And both of them, Jonathan and the armor bearer, discovered themselves under the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes that they hid themselves. They're just mocking. It's like, oh, I've been hiding in holes. Look at this. Look at these two guys coming out of their holes. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us. And we will show you a thing. Like, I, just, like listen, King James Bible, these, this wording is it's awesome. Uh, we'll show you. You've been hiding in your holes. Come on up. We're going to show you a thing. Let's show you a thing or two. And Jonathan says, oh, oh, we're about to see a thing. That's for sure. Because you just called us up. It's about to be on. Oh, come on. How can you not get excited about that? Where are we? I don't know where we're at. Let's pick it up in 13. Jonathan climbed up into his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men. And within a half acre land, the yoke of oxen might plow. And I, and I just, again, I just love all the phrasing um, throughout the Bible. But, but I love here verse 11 where it says, And both of them discovered themselves under the garrison of the Philistines. It's kind of like, kind of like they look up and like, well, what do you know? Look at where we are. And listen, I, I, I think Jonathan just looked back on the journey and how it started with his decision to not stay comfortable, to engage in the battle. And, and we didn't even talk about this, but it's a decision he couldn't even share with his father because his father wouldn't have, wouldn't have let him go. And listen, there are some people in your life that are just never going to understand and, and sometimes those are the people closest to us in our family, and, and, and those are hard decisions to make, but the decision is to go with the Lord. You can't let that stop you in the same way you can't let the difficulty stop you, because Jonathan's decision led to sharp rocks, it led to hard path, it led to troubled times, but it was also a decision that led him to totally depend upon the Lord, and now all of a sudden, here they are in the midst of the Philistines. And it was kind of like, man, after all we've been through, look at where we are. Look at where the Lord has brought us. And listen, this is what's exciting. It was right in the middle of enemy territory. Right in the thick of things, man. They're in the midst of the battle. But they knew they had the victory. And they're like, how did we even get here? How cool is this? And I want you to know this morning that your life can be the same way. If you engage and endure and expect, you'll be able to look back on where you've come from and discover yourself in a place of victory through him. You can look back and say, wow, how did I get here? Isn't God amazing? Look at those sharp rocks he brought me through. And you can discover the joy that comes from living a life that brings him glory and one that is used by him 
And here's the cool thing in this passage also. As soon as they made it to the Philistines garrison, like I said, Jonathan knew the victory was theirs. Because look at what he says in the second half of verse 12. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord had delivered them into the hand of Israel. The Lord hath, present tense, delivered them. Not even, he will. They're still, they're still going into their garrison. Already, the Lord hath delivered them. We know. And so Jonathan moves from saying, it may be that the Lord will work for us, to the point that he's saying the victory is ours before the fight even starts. Because he knew that for him, the battle wasn't with the Philistines. It wasn't, that wasn't the real battle. He knew the battle was in the journey. Because as David told Goliath just a few chapters later, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. Jonathan knew that as well. The battle was the Lord's. So for him, the battle was getting past the sharp rock, engaging in the first place. I mean, getting past those sh- sharp rocks, enduring those hard times. And he knew that once he passed those, the Philistines were nothing. Because he expected God to do what only God does. So let me ask you, is anything too hard for the Lord? If you know the answer to that question is no, then 2023 can be a year like never before. So let's all do it together. Let's engage. Let's endure together. And let's expect God to do big things this year.